Welcome to the fittest podcast in Oakland, where your favorite coaches talk everything to help make you a better person inside and outside the gym. this podcast in Oakland. This week, we're talking about our feelings. Yeah, we're getting feelings about it. Anyway, we're going to talk about how feelings impact the gym and how you can channel them and use your feelings to reach your goals and why feelings matter. So listen up, learn it up, and let's take another step in our fitness journey. We have trapped Robin in a cage. I am in a cage. A glass cage of emotions. <laughs> well, it's not really got glass at all. What? <laughs> Someone needs to go watch a movie. You're right. Though I do think I need a picture of it. <laughs> she's all got, right. She's got her little face pressed against the... Oh, oh boy. First, first in podcast selfie is being taken. <laughs> by the way, one get me in there so, with you. So, since no one knows what's going on, this is not a video. This is being recorded. <laughs> so good. And people are wondering what the hell are you guys doing? You can put to it start? in the show notes. Yes. Oh, we will. Yes, the show notes. I love they, it. They will be in there. All right, we're in the studio with a special guest today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna get this train back on the track. No boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, welcome. So, Ben, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I thought you were putting the train back on the track. Oh, no, I'll put the train back on the track. <laughs> we are in the studio with a very, very special guest um, that's smarter than all of us put together. <laughs> Doctor, right? That's right. Dr. Kristen Gustafson, right? Yeah. yeah. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. Uh, I'm KG. Uh, most of you at the gym know me as KG. Um, I'm a professor of social work at Cal State East Bay, um, and I specialize in trauma and mental health. Um, so a lot of what we're going to be talking about over the over the podcast is um, some of the work that I do with clients and social work students who are training to be psychotherapists. Love it. Yeah, so this is a um, part one of two parts where we're going to be talking in, in honor of Stress Management Month, but also just in honor of being human. We're going to talk about our feelings. We're literally going to talk about our feelings. And then we're also going to talk about our thoughts. So this is part one. We're going to focus on feelings, um, but also we have a professional here to kind of help us through. And we're going to try to keep it to the scope of the gym, correct? Um, but obviously you can apply all of these tools and skills and conversation to everything in your life. So Ben, any thoughts, feelings? I have lots of thoughts and lots of feelings, but I don't know where you want me to take them. All right. right so we're going to start by just talking about feelings, um, with KG and take it away, KG. Tell us what are feelings? Yeah. Well, um, first I would say when we think about, 
um, this concept of stress and the situations we find ourselves in that are stressful um, from a cognitive behavioral therapy model, we're often talking about what we call the, the cognitive triad, which is if you could picture in your mind a triangle and maybe the situations in the middle, and then each of the three corners of the triangle is, you know, one is thoughts, one is feelings, and one's behavior. So we're going to talk about all of those things over the course of the next two weeks. But today we're focusing mostly on feelings. Um, we know that when we encounter any situation, we have lots of feelings, um, but sometimes they can be hard to identify. So um, actually one of the things that we're going to try and put in the show notes for this, as well as like just post up in the gym for a week or so is something we like to call the feelings wheel, which is a tool that we use to help folks identify feelings. Um, and often this is hard for folks. Like we live in our heads a lot. Um, our society is very cognitively inclined. Um, we get messages about feelings that tend to be more negative. So if someone expresses a lot of feelings, they're being dramatic and not in a good way, right? Uh, or they're extra or they're, you know, fill in the blank, right? Whereas we don't tend to have that same kind of metric when we talk about thoughts. So sometimes thought, uh, feelings are a little bit harder to identify. In terms of feelings that folks are likely to encounter in the gym, I think it can run the gamut, right? I mean, I have a lot of feelings <laughs> in the gym and Robin will often joke and after a hard workout where we're all like laid out like, oh, did this hurt your feelings? <laughs> um, but I think it's important to think about our feelings and work to identify them so that we can negotiate with them when we're in the gym. Yeah. Well, we talk about assess, don't guess a lot. Um, this is something, and KG and I have talked about this and so has Ben and I, but this is something you don't learn like in the structured way as a kid. I didn't, I don't think any of us did. Like how to identify our feelings to start with that. Right. So yeah. that's why I joke about the feelings will, but it was a game changer for me when I learned about it, because I mean, you just pick, do, do you want to um, kind of use the feelings wheel and because people can't really see it yeah, and maybe we pick a couple of feelings. Um, the way it works is there's a feeling on the outside. There's feelings on the outside of the circle and you follow the feeling in toward the center of the circle and it'll tell you what emotion is connected to your feeling. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. that's right. So sort of the core emotions at the very center of the circle are bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised. Um, so we would sort of think of those as core feelings. Everybody has a little bit of a different take on these. So you can find 50 different versions of the feelings wheel. And then as you go out, um, there are other descriptive words that help add flavor to the word sad. So when I say sad, what do I really mean? Do I mean lonely? Do I mean vulnerable? Am I feeling grief? Am I feeling ashamed? That kind of stuff might be in the sad bucket. Whereas like frustrated, annoyed, um, aggressive might be in the angry bucket. And so we can kind of figure out a little bit um, kind of what's at the very core of how we're feeling. And a lot of times the feeling you think is one emotion isn't, it's the other one. And I think that's where the big game change happens where you think you're angry, but you're really scared. Right. 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 Yep. Cool. And often what's under anger anyway is either uh, fear, frustration, hurt, or injustice. And so sometimes when we're angry and we're actually like, no, that's the feeling, there's still something even further underneath that. 
And often in the gym, I think when we're encountering our limits, it's fear. Um, we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of dropping it. We're afraid of of hurting ourselves. We're afraid of you know, looking stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> peeing our pants when we oh, yeah. <laughs> do a big lift. Whatever the thing. It could be a physical fear. It could be an whatever. Whatever it is. But the thing about feelings, and we'll talk about thoughts next week, but the thing about feelings is that we can negotiate with them. Um, and we don't need to be ruled by our feelings. We want to pay attention to them. We want to assess them. We want to be clear about what they are so that we can negotiate with them. Let me say a little bit more about what I mean by that. Um, so, you know, let me give you an example. Let's say you're really afraid of dogs. And every time you see a dog, when you're walking down the street, um, you immediately cross to the other side and go the opposite direction because you were bitten as a kid and your feeling is fear and it overwhelms you and you can't think of anything else to do. And at the same time, if you really allowed yourself to negotiate with that feeling of fear, you could probably remind yourself or think a little bit more clearly, like, well, wait a second, probably not every dog's gonna bite. Yeah, sure, there might be, you know, a vicious dog here and there, but maybe there's a different behavior that can help me overcome my fear other than just crossing the street and immediately running away. And when we're in situations like that, we do things like ask the owner, is your dog friendly? Um, we might, um, you know, just stand still instead of having to run away. When There's all sorts of different ways that we might behave that... Um, could be an alternative to letting us just be ruled by um, that emotion of fear. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so what think about, about oh, go ahead. tell me what you think, like how you would see that play out in the gym. I know one go ahead. that you can take it from here, but dips. Um, <laughs> this is the Robin case. So, when we are afraid within the gym, I've seen it in two lanes. One is a shutdown lane mm. where the fear consumes us to a point that we stop what we're doing. Whether that is we don't commit to a lift, we stop pedaling the bike because we are afraid we are going to throw up or die, um, or we, hmm, what can be another one? Um, How about the, I can't do that? That, yeah, the, I, we say something verbally there. Yeah. So like, when I say commit to a lift, like you get going and all of a sudden you just freeze in the middle of a lift. I've seen it a lot of times in Olympic lifting, but you'll see it other times in other simple lifts like that. The, um, what was the other one I had? Um, Oh gosh, I just completely blanked. <laughs> um, so we, we'll see that kind of like shutdown where we won't even try, we won't even do, and we'll, it's literally in someone's head. Mm -hmm. um, and I know this is more in their head because I can literally adjust the weight on the bar, not tell you and say go and seen people lift weights. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't have the number they were afraid of present, they did it. Right. Um, which is understandable with what we do. The other side to that is when we are afraid, our brain protects us. 
and find ways in which to protect us. Like you talked about, turn around and walk the other way. That's our brain telling us this is the safer approach. I do that with snakes. And what I've come to learn from watching on the internet is, well, the three foot snake can only jump a foot and a half. So if I'm 10 feet away from it, I have no chance of that snake coming after me. So I'm probably okay once I start to rationalize and understand that. Our body doesn't see that, seek that always. And when we are afraid, what I see in the gym is we will resort back to an old habit. We will resort back to an old motor pattern. Robin's example of dips is where she can do a, a dip up to a certain point of assistance. But the moment I take, even if that is very minimal assistance, like five pounds, a very thin red band stretched fully out, something like that, the moment I pull that safety blanket away from her, boom, she immediately goes into her neck and her traps to push to achieve the success. And that's where her brain is gone. Oh, I've done everything this way. This is the safest way it's gotten me here. I will continue to do that. What then in turn happens is we shut down and yeah. we miss the lift. We miss being able to do it. Um, I've seen this with box jumps mm. uh, a lot of times okay. where an individual could literally lift their foot higher. Like they just did a knee hug. It would be higher than the box they're trying to jump on. And they will get so wrapped around their head that they won't jump mm -hmm. and just stop. Now, there is a value of understanding that fear there too, because what I don't want you to do is not focus, not pay attention and smash your shins into the box. Mm -hmm. Because then we have blood, we have pain, we have all these problems. But at the same time, we have to, as you said, negotiate with that because that's where the change occurs. And it's not a change of, wow, now I can jump on a 20 inch box. I could really give two shits about that. It's the change when the next challenge comes in life. It's the change when the next vote of confidence comes in, right. in where needed. It's the, oh my God, I am afraid of this thing, but wait a minute. I do hard things. Mm -hmm. I work through hard problems. I can problem solve even when I'm not good at something. It's that narrative that we've talked a lot on this podcast. And I think when we understand our feelings better, we can then talk that narrative within the gym to do better. Mm -hmm. And not only from a physical perspective, but from a mental, emotional, um, I feel like there's another word there, perspective. Right. I like so. that. Robin, can you identify the feeling for you when you're when you're in that panic mode and dips? What's the feeling? Uh oh, what I need to go to my feelings well. No, 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 no. It's it's um no, it's it's very much that protection. It's that I am gonna get hurt, I'm scared. And um uh -huh. I mean I've been doing this a long time. So, I mean, the, the next stage for someone, I think, especially when you talk about box jumps, is that find a, a smaller step. Mm -hmm. Like Ben was saying, you took the, took the the red band away. Well, maybe you hold my feet and go, come on, I'll show you. Get down there. I'm going to let go. And and I've, I've literally held someone's hand and helped them jump on the box. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, so we we love working through that. But like, if, if Ben's going to help me and I'm already shut down, then there's nowhere to go. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't leave me alone. 
And I do want to talk about fear, but I also would like to hit another couple of feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, we can continue with fear, but I don't want to get really caught. There is a lot of fear in the gym. Mm-hmm. I think it probably is the dominant emotion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are other feelings that people have in the gym. And be careful of the ones that you think are another feeling that might just be fear. Um, and we can go on to how we negotiate them and get your, I have some thoughts, but you also probably have some thoughts. So can you think of other yeah, I mean, I think people can come into the gym frustrated with what's going on outside. And sometimes the gym can help that, right? Because it gives you an outlet for that feeling. But maybe we're not the best community member in that moment because we're not really aware of and dealing with our frustration or what the feeling is. Um, you know, we bring our whole selves here and our whole selves are coming from an outside world that, um, you know, is sometimes a little bit of a nightmare. And we bring those feelings in with us. And I think it's important to be aware of them and figure out how does that impact us and others in the gym. I also think that there are a lot of happy feelings. Like part of the reason I come to this gym and love it is because I have all these great feelings in the gym. You know, like I, I might have a thought of, Oh, I can't do that. Um, or, Oh, I don't know how to do that. Or I'm going to look like an idiot or whatever. Like I have a big, um, it's like a physical sensational fear of um, going into the handstand on the wall mm. and I can kick up from the ground like in a pike position. But I, I, I have like this phobia of doing a full kick up, um, you know, from standing like I feel like I'm going to hit my head against the wall and it took me watching other people do it. And watching and and asking questions and frankly allowing myself to look like an idiot um, before I was like, oh, I can overcome this fear. I had to negotiate with it. But it took other people being gentle with me and being um, good gym partners and being good examples and giving a lot of encouragement and thinking about like, okay, why don't you try this? Or what if you put your hands here? Or watch me do it. Um, look what happens to my head. Look at, you know, like different things like that, that can give me information that allows me to negotiate with that, that, those feelings. And then the result is like elation. I was elated when I was Mm -hmm. able to do that. And I still suck at them for now, but now I at least have this hope, this seed of like, oh, I did it once and I watched other people do it. And I, I believe I could do it again. So I think sometimes when we negotiate with our feelings, we can replace them with other feelings that are like the good feelings that come from being a part of a community like this. We watch it every day. It's the best part of our jobs, probably yours too. It's like seeing someone do, yeah, I can't, I can't, and then do it. It's like, oh yeah, it's such a cause for celebration. And it's very unique to our community. I mean, you don't go into the Gold's Gym and and have that interaction with people typically. And so... Yeah, it's very valuable. Yeah. But yeah, I see a lot of happy feelings in the gym. It's it's a fun place. At least it should be. Where does embarrassment fall on the wheel? Hmm. Well, shame is in um, several areas, okay. but sadness being one, um, disgusted being another. Um, sometimes people, I would put um, like humiliation in the angry bucket, um, you know, and it can still be, um, in like the bad, I feel bad, which is, um, you know, not the greatest descriptor, but 
I've um, heard it sometimes said as guilty. Yeah. The bad. Yeah. Yeah. And shame would definitely fall in there. I think that's an emotion that needs to be tackled when looking at the gym as well. Whether it's the motivator to bring you into the gym or the feeling within the gym at any point. Um, because we know that some people are motivated through that shame to change, which drives them into the gym, which potentially helps create a consistent habit and pattern and discipline, which is good. Um, but understanding where that falls under and mm -hmm. how to process through that. And then the other side of that is we talked the fear of failure, but also the, you know, KG mentioned, well, I might look funny and fall on my head. You know, KG has a ego for lack of better term that she doesn't give a damn <laughs> what someone thinks about her um, and can laugh at herself. And that's where, cool, she knows that her self-worth is not tied to her ability to do a kick up on a wall for a handstand. It's tied to so many other more important things. So when she fails at that, she gets to laugh at the funniness of, oh my God, I almost broke my head open doing something silly. Whereas other people might go, well, if I look silly, now everyone's going to look at me and my perfection will no longer be there. And that's something I think when you start to process that in the gym, you can actually break through a lot more often. Or you don't care if you look funny. Or you don't care what's on the bar. You more care what's the, what's the outcome that I will get from even just trying and failing. And I would say, you know, that's important because the flip side of ashamed isn't not ashamed. The flip side is courage. Mm -hmm. The flip side is bravery. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have that sense of, um, cause shame is really any kind of inclination that we have to want to hide. Exactly. Um, to want to protect, um, to want to, you know, avoid uh, usually a feeling, right? Uh, another worse feeling, mm -hmm. like embarrassment, like whatever. Um, or feeling more ashamed than we already are. We want to avoid that. And so we behave in certain ways in an effort to protect ourselves. When actually, from a psychotherapeutic perspective, we would actually want to challenge that. Like, the the behave the opposite do the opposite right yeah because what you find out when you embarrass yourself right when you fall on your head when you you know pee your pants on a heavy lift when you whatever it is like everybody laughs yeah it's embarrassing and the sun still rises and you still get to come back to the gym like one of the things you realize is that all the terrible awful things that you'd built up about what that um thing is you were trying to avoid actually don't really happen, right? And in fact, it's often the opposite, right? Like other people go, oh yeah, I've done that. I've been there. And they, you're embraced rather than ostracized, mm -hmm. at least in our community, which is one of the great things, right? I mean, we may have had an ostracizing experience before that makes us want to avoid that. Um, and that feeling pokes it. But in this place, we should be free. And we hear this from Robin and Ben all the time. It's free to fail. Actually, if you get to failure, that's really good information. Um, it's okay to look like an idiot. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Like all of that stuff, all of that messaging is to, is to create a space, not so that we can avoid things, but so that we can be brave and courageous and really fight that feeling of shame through negotiating with it, with what we choose to do in terms of our behavior. That was beautiful. And I love that because it goes back to the age old quote of um, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action within fear, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's what I want people to see through when you have quote unquote negative feelings. It, it's 
that's okay. It's what you do from there. Do you not come to the gym? Do you shy away from taking a chance? Do you sit out when you could play? Do you, I'll take my teenagers. Do you shut down? Do you go, well, I can't do that, but never give it a try, you know, versus the other side of, well, yeah, this is all the things I'm feeling. Let me go try it. Because at worst, I just feel the same. That's right. You know, at worst, nothing changes. Um, whereas if I take an action and something changes, wow, now I'm on a completely different part of the feeling we feel. And I think that's when people look at what the gym can do in a day-to-day sense, that can be a much faster transformation than the actual physical transformations most of us seek. And I think that's the, the bigger picture here is when you start to see that side of it, the mindset, the feelings, the understanding, you actually then start to unlock the physical presence of it mm-hmm. and get to what you actually care and, you know, feel, you know, amazement, reward, satisfaction out of. And maybe it is tied to certain lifts or things like that, but then you go, wait a minute, no, it's actually tied to my connection to this is actually tied to the that, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's one of the big things I talk about a lot of times is I'm like, yes, deadlifts are cool. Yes. Muscle ups are cool. But what's more cool is usually outside of the gym. That's right. And so what we can transfer from that is, okay, I can take the successes I have in the gym and process those feelings into successes in real life and stories in real life and, and accomplishments in real life versus just Wow, cool. I have muscle ups. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because that's actually what got me to the gym in the first place. Um, And this was five years ago. I couldn't run a mile. I hadn't really worked out in any meaningful way in like nine years since my youngest was born. Um, And the first three months, I felt like I was going to die every day I came. Every day I came and I was like, this is the day I die. and there were like, there was so much I couldn't do. Um, and yet it was like, okay, I'm just one foot in front of the other. But the reason I came to the gym was because at the time I was in a really toxic, very challenging work environment. And I was like, I got to get strong in some way so that I can deal with this situation. Um, and, and it, I, I still don't have a six pack. I still don't like all the things in terms of like, like I still don't have a muscle up or whatever metric it is, but I could deal with this really, really hard thing that I was going through outside of the gym because I was working on getting strong in other ways. And it totally translated mentally and emotionally for me at that time. That's awesome. KG, I love that story. Um, I want to keep talking about the, the negotiating um, or regulating. So um, not to change the subject if we're done with that. It was great. But um, you talked about the dog, you know, and then you talked about your handstand and all of that. But give us some more of those tools. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're panicking, you're whatever. um, What what are some other tools we can use? Well, one of my favorites is just a very simple question. And I call it the is it possible question. And it's just to ask yourself, is it possible that I don't need to stay in this feeling? or that I can do something anyway, despite the fact that I'm feeling like, just ask yourself some kind of, is it possible question about the feeling you're feeling? So, um, 
If you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so embarrassed because I'm going to fall on my head. Ask yourself, is it possible I won't be? Um, you know, if it's like, oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to, you know, drop this and or I'm not going to hit this whatever or whatever it is. Like, is it possible that I won't be? Is it possible that I might actually be able to do it? Um, so I think that is a, a, it sounds silly and it sounds so simple, but oftentimes we think, well, you know, our feelings are our feelings. And I just, you know, if it just feels true. It just feels that way. It just feels like, you know, kiss feelings can be so powerful, but we can push back on them and begin to ask ourselves simple questions that allow us to sort of push on them a little bit. Um, so I think that's one really helpful thing. You talked about regulating. And so that's another thing that we talk a lot about in terms of regulating our emotions. Um, humans regulate in all kinds of different ways. Actually, one of the ways that we regulate is through other humans. So like there's a reason that when a baby's born, they put that baby skin to skin on the caregiver, right? Because there's a, a, a regulation that ha co-regulation that happens with other people. When you're a kid and you fall and scrape your knee at the park, what's the first thing you do? You look up and try and figure out where's your caregiver. And based on their, your caregiver's face and how your caregiver reacts is maybe, you know, when you break down into weepy tears or don't get back up and go down the slide again, right? Like we learn to regulate through our relationships with other people. And I think that's another great thing about the gym, right? Um, it's one of those reasons, like when we do the CrossFit Total or when we do, you know, the Dust Till Dawn or some sort of like competitive environment, you get all these PRs and all these things that happen because all the times that you've been telling yourself, oh, I can't do that or that's too heavy or whatever. And now all of a sudden you're in this environment where we're all kind of feeding off each other. That is actually co-regulation happening. That's like literally helping us access places inside us that we don't have ac access to when we're just on our own. It takes community in order for that to happen. So, um, you know, it like we might give high fives at the gym. We might like all of that sort of physical touch and regulation that happens through relationship, um, I think is part of what makes this community really lovely, but also what pushes people to be able to overcome some of the hard feelings they might be having. That's awesome. I mean, I think adrenaline is another way we help regulate. <laughs> so we can talk about that a little bit. But, um, you know, we feel better when we leave the gym. Um, not always, but many times. And it's the consistency of that. Um, really putting the work in. That can also help us with, with emotion regulation. Um, so that's something to think about, too, is when you're feeling down on your, or whatever it is you might be feeling, how can the gym help with that in terms of helping you regulate? And, and it, on that vein, like, I'm not trying to say emotion is bad and you should suppress it to do well in the gym. What are some of the ways we can use emotion? I mean, you kind of touched on it obviously already, but kind of turn something into a positive. Yeah. I mean, I think I live in the uh, the angry realm a lot. Like I'm looking at a lot of these feelings like hostile, aggressive, like I feel like those are just sort of my love languages, <laughs> like disdain and contempt are kind of my favorites. And, and, um, you know, so like coach Tom is always like, Oh, I haven't gotten flipped off by Kristen yet today. It's not a good day. You know, like there's some of that rage fuels me and some of that, um, sort of like 
you know, it's ridiculous. And you're, you look at me and you roll your eyes and that's in some ways too, because it's like, okay, girl, calm down. But at the same time, like there is a part of that, 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 um, I think can really, um, provide fuel for what we're doing. Um, it's why we scream when we lift really heavy. It's why we like, there's a primalness to it that helps us actually access feelings in ways that we aren't allowed to in other ways. Where else am I allowed to like scream when I do something amazing, but here, yeah. like it's like completely socially unacceptable in lots of other realms. I love the anger example because I've definitely coached people many, many times, especially with an aggressive movement, a really strong movement, get angry. Don't half-ass it, you know, and it helps. Yeah. And it's such an interesting message, I think, for women in particular, because where have we ever received that message? I know, it's true. And yet we have the same feelings as everyone else. Um, and regardless of what gender it is you identify as, like, there may be ways where you've been given the message like, oh, you can be happy. You can share that as long as we're smiling. Oh, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Just, you know, keep your feelings to yourself. Oh, dry your tears or whatever the message was that you got around emotion. Anger was often not an acceptable emotion for many people in their family of origin. And so being able to come to a safe place like this where it's actually okay to be angry and we're actually told and given the message, no, access that. Figure out how to use it. Um... I think is really helpful um, and can help. Uh, you know, anger is a normal emotion. Um, we all experience it. And if we're not looking around at the world and getting a little bit angry at some of the injustice we see, we're not paying attention. So some of that comes in here and can help us to push ourselves because that anger can give us a little bit of fuel. I love it. It reminds me of focused, controlled aggression, where there's a line in the sand when you are too angry to actual function. And then there's a line in the sand where you don't have enough aggression to actually make something happen. So you have to live within this sweet spot that allows you to, as you talk to, tap into that primal piece, but also explode through something. Um, I get it in an interesting way and it actually, it's, it's somewhat reversed from what you both just said. Um, when I make references to violence with some people, there's definitely, I can see in them a, a pullback and it's where, oh, okay. You've never processed that emotion into a violent manner where when we start to learn like, oh yeah, if I can process this into a controlled violence, then now I can own control and put to my advantage, it's actually a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, push, pushing the attacker away from you is a good thing. Right. <laughs> right. Because the flip side of, of not being angry or not being aggressive isn't the lack of it. It's apathy. Exactly. And so it's, it's that, but there's the other side of it of, oh, you're just slamming to slam something for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're grunting and making, you know, slamming noises, just because like that's a tantrum that's a tantrum exactly so so it's finding that sweet spot of like through this deadlift i am going to take my force out on something that really needs it <laughs> in a multitude of ways so it, it's it's tricky there and i think the more someone can come into touch with that i think i loved your saying of a lot of us grew up where anger was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I know a lot of people, I know myself, that was one thing, but it was how, but then I learned how, how do I channel this? How do I process this? How do I, how do I put that between 53 and a half yards and a hundred yards? And when I figured out how to do that, it was like, oh, okay, I don't care anymore. Not the, the tricky part with what people need to learn from their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back a little bit. You talked about the regulation strategy of, is it possible? It triggered in my mind the opposite as well. Do we also need to have a, and you can tell me, KG, if this is a bad idea or just a different way of thinking about it, is what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Because I think sometimes, you know, we struggle with the possibility factor because we've never seen it, right? If you've never seen somebody squat 500 pounds, you don't know what's possible. If you've never seen yourself do it, you don't know it's possible. But at the same time, I would say a lot of us have seen a failed lift, a missed box jump, a you name it, a falling on our head, a mistake, whatever. Um, so my question back there would be, is it okay to also process in the, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. You know, the, oops, I missed the box and I kind of fell and laughed on the floor. Or oops, I missed the box and now I have a little scab on my shin. You know, I, I don't know if that's a healthy way to process, but... I'd be curious there. Well, sometimes our thoughts um, that are, you know, reinforcing our feelings are really a runaway train. So even though we're, we're having this feeling of shame or we're afraid of embarrassment or whatever it might be, or we're frustrated or angry or whatever, sometimes there's this whole train going on behind it. We'll talk about this more next week, but um, I like that question. What would be so bad if you fall, you get fall on your butt or you you know land on your head or you feel embarrassed well so tell me about that because usually the next thing is well everybody will laugh at me and then I'll say well what would be so bad about that well I would be embarrassed okay well what would be so bad about that like it, you have to follow it down to the nth degree to get to um, what the real core thing is which is often um, I'll be so embarrassed. I'll never come back and I won't have any friends and I won't be able to go to the gym anymore, you know, or whatever. Like it's a complete runaway train. What's the likelihood of that actually happening? I mean, it's really, really low, but it feels big because it, you know, you're living in the space of, I don't want to be embarrassed. Um, and so sometimes if we can kind of force ourselves to really face the truth that is kind of unconscious, right? We're not even really living in that, um, in that, you know, it's not all risen to our uh, level of awareness. If we force ourselves to do that by a question like that, um, we can get really get to like, oh, that's totally ridiculous, you know? And so it's, it's almost the person who's like, oh, um, shoot, I'm going to be, I'm going to be late for work. My boss is going to be mad at me. He's going to fire me. I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to end up homeless on the street. Like the initial feeling is, you know, panic, Mm -hmm. let's just say, but like, well, the likelihood of your boss being mad that you're late, probably, you know, high or high ish, but like the likelihood of all those other things happening, probably low, but it, it begins because of that feeling of panic, it begins to feel like all of this is absolutely possible and exactly what's going to happen. And we can get in that space at the gym, right? Where we can be like, Oh, you know, here's the sort of fait accompli of this feeling. And we don't actually question it or push it. So asking that question, okay, if that, that, what would be so bad about that? And then what would be so bad about that? And then what would be so bad about that can help us get down to the heart 
of what it is that's really holding us back. I think we come up with that. I mean, you, you know, this firsthand, we all do actually is uh, fear of injury. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you could, if you fell on your head, KG, that would not be a great thing. Like you tweak your neck, like right. you'd probably feel it for a while. Would you be paralyzed? No, but I mean, it's, it's not nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't ever want to take someone's fear and say, don't be afraid because that a lot of this is real, but I like what you said, like follow it through. Like, where is the line where it's actually, you've gone off the rails and where is it actually, you should be cautious here. You should be cautious when you jump on a box because you could slip if you lose focus and you're thinking about something else. That's when I always hurt myself in the gym. You know, you could, you could get a pretty good cut on your shin. Like Mm -hmm. that's for real. Um, Or is it going to keep you from coming back to the gym and you're going to be injured forever? No, you know? Right. um, Yeah. yeah. In some ways we need to sort of rightly size. That's part of how we negotiate, right? We're not wanting the pendulum to shift all the way to like, Oh, I'm not afraid at all. No, it's okay to be afraid, but then negotiate with that and figure out what's the right level in terms of your behavior in response to that fear. And is it possible that I could choose to behave differently than what my fear is telling me to, or what my anger is telling me to, or what my shame is telling me to, and almost see it as an experiment, right? What happens if I just choose to say, well, I'm going to try it anyway. Or I'm going to, you know, you know, take, take this particular tactic, or I'm going to let Ben put the plates on the bar or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. To just choose to sort of engage in that experiment to really see, okay, did that terrible, awful thing that I was afraid of or that I thought would happen if, did it come true? I mean, it really could be a very scientific approach, um, to really be able to test the, the, um, our power to negotiate our feelings. Yeah. And you have pl- ch- plenty of chances in the gym to do that. That's right. Try it. Try it. Well, I don't think I can, whatever, fill in the blank. I don't think I can climb the rope. Well, let's try it. Let's try one pull. You know, we do that all the time. Let's see. Let's see if you can do one. You know, let's see if you can kick up to the, to the wall. Give it a try. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, and sometimes it takes, Um, I know for me, it really helps, um, to be in relationship with other people at the gym. So like you may have told me or whatever, but sometimes I'm like, oh, they're the coach. They're supposed to tell you nice things. (laughs) And, but it took Donna telling me you can do this handstand thing. Like you could, I'll help you. We're all going to stay here. We're going to figure it out. Kick up to the bar. The, so you're not crashing into the wall. Use the pull-up bar as the place to stop your feet. We'll, we'll help. So you get the sensation of, um, kicking all the way up from standing, but it took someone else to help me negotiate yeah. that and it took someone that wasn't a coach. And that I think is the power of, of the peer, the tribe. right? The tribe that comes from, I mean, it's probably just 9am cause 9am rules, but, um, totally. but you know, it's the power of like the community that is, um, CFO. It is. It's like someone beside your parents telling you something. Totally, all of a sudden right? was... Yada, yada, yada. Um, I, before I know we're going to wrap this up at some point because your time is valuable, but I want to talk about communicating your feelings. I want to challenge people and encourage people um, in the gym, especially to us coaches. I mean, we're for want of a better word, like some sort of authority figure, right? In, and if we're barking up the wrong tree with you, 
tell us what, if you can, and if you can't, we'll have the feelings wheel there for you. But if you're like, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now, like it's too much, or I'm not mad. I'm just scared or whatever. Like if you can verbalize that, we can coach you better. We can help you better. So, um, I love the idea of learning. I know Ben likes me a lot better now that I know my, I'm just kidding, (laughs) but just communicating with each other and, and using the words like I feel, I mean, I'm encroaching in your area here, yeah. but what do you think? Yeah. Um, I think it's a great idea and I think it, you know, you, I've often heard you use the phrase, you know, green light day, red light day, yellow light day, like kind of knowing your yourself, but you can also think about that in terms of feelings. Um, and we don't always know, right? It's a little bit of a moving target. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to Uh, Part of why I'm here is so that somebody is here to tell me what to do because I don't know how to do it. And like, I love that part, but it is a bit of a, a, it doesn't feel like it's always exact. And so it's okay to be like, I, I am, am feeling this. I'm not sure what to do with it. Yeah. Right. Um, so to be able to try out, let's see, let's, let's see how it goes. What if you did this or what if you did that? Um, I think is a really lovely way of being authentic at the same time without feeling like you have to know what it means, um, for you that you feel frustrated or you feel ashamed or you feel angry or whatever. Um, well, you know, that's why sweet, the coach sweet is- 9am Becca, she's, she's like, uh, I'm like, well, she's like, what should I do for pull-ups? Well, if you're feeling this, you should do ring runs. If you, she goes, no, I don't want to make this decision. I just tell me. And, and she'd be like, I feel like I have to make decisions all the time. Please just tell me what to do. You know? And it was like, Oh, okay. So now I know don't give her choices Just tell her one thing, but it it took that feedback because I had no idea. You know? Yeah. Ben's wheels are turning. I'm I'm smelling the smoke. Well, there's a bunch of different paths I want to take. Um, but back to that, I also will, open up this and that it doesn't have to be clean your feelings can be messy and we're okay with it um i am trying to think of an example that i haven't had to deal with in the gym yet i've had tears i've had f-bombs i've had middle fingers i've had happiness i've had gratitude gratitude i've had throw up i've had i i can't almost looking at that emotions wheel i can't think of one that i haven't had mm-hmm. um not to say that i won't be surprised or, or proven wrong um but to be honest i think you don't have to clean it up for me right um and the less you clean it up for me the more i can probably point you in the right direction well what a great thing to say because the more you try to hide it or box it, or as I joke with KG, I put it in a little box in a closet that I never open. (laughs) (laughs) The, the harder it will be for me to say the right thing back to you. And and I mean that both in a selfish way for myself, um, because my feelings matter too, but also in a, in a way to help you. Because if you're angry at me and I think you're just sad, I'm going to say the wrong thing then. And you're going to be more angry at me mm-hmm. instead of being like, just Ben, I'm pissed off at everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't, I don't, it's all right. 
I mean, that's a really nice thing to hear as a client. Like I, I like hearing that because like right now I'm dealing with a little bit of sciatic nerve pain and it's been a total bummer and I can't do a lot of the stuff that I love doing um, that keeps me from rage murdering people in my life. And I, and so I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling, um, you know, a little out of control. I like being in control. I'm feeling inadequate. I mean, those are some of the things I'm feeling and I don't have to hide that. I don't have to act like I'm not that I'm allowed to come totally as I am and be understood and like, okay, great job for showing up. You showed up now, you know, I feel a little bit like, um, like a special snowflake with having to do all my special little things right now in the gym. And yet I do them and I feel better and I feel super glad that I came and I get to continue to be part of the community. But it's because you both explicitly said that and implied that it's okay to just come, just show up. We'll figure it out. Um, and I feel like that also is such a gift. Um, like we don't have to go, Oh, I, I'm feeling this, but I better figure it out so that I can come and, um, be in a better place. No, just fig, just know what you're doing. Know, know how you're feeling and show up anyway. Just be who you are. Yeah, don't we don't need your happy face plastered on. Just bring it. The only thing I'm not really into is self-loathing. But even that I can handle. You know, just bring it to us. And I want to pull KG's string here a little bit more. Yeah. She mentioned special snowflake. Oh my god, and, all and that and that, that draws a little bit of a feeling there, I'm sure from KG and from others of an inadequacy. And I'm gonna challenge everybody in this of you come to the gym to make yourself better. And we taught you different movements, different lifts, and different things that you now believe will make you yourself better. And you can probably tie feelings to success in those pieces. But what if I told you I didn't teach you any of those things and I showed you completely different movements? And I said, this was actually the secret to your success. You would do those instead. So right now, when KG comes in the gym, we go do X, Y, and Z because now that's going to get you to a heavier deadlift because we can actually get you back to deadlifting. That's where people have to wrap their heads around some of these things and look at their actual feelings and go, oh, I've tied an emotional connection to, yeah, you name the movement. Doing something that's not on the whiteboard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's super normal right. because of that community tribal thing. You're like everybody, and how many times have you heard this, Ben? Everybody else is doing the, and I'm the only one. Yeah. Everyone says that, and it's literally not true. You look around, and it looks like everyone's doing the same thing, but it's a different weight. It's a different height box. It's a different pull-up progression. It's so funny to hear that when people go, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. It's like, nobody's doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that's that's helpful for me to hear in this space. And yeah, and and I, is part of why I'm negotiating with those feelings, right? Yeah. Because I also do know, okay, that feeling of inadequacy or that feeling of being out of control or that feeling of whatever, right, isn't going to help me. I need to come anyway and just bring that and be honest about it. But I can choose to behave as though there are things that I can do. And lo and behold, there are things I can do. And that's where it's my job to communicate other feelings and connect those with movements to make you change those feelings. Like mm-hmm. if I sure. could give you the written guarantee that if you were to do X, Y, and Z, this pain would go away and you would no longer feel inadequate, you would feel accomplished. You'd completely connect with that. 
Unfortunately, that's the literal hardest part of my job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> fixing your squat, fixing your deadlift, fixing reps and sets and writing a program, that's easy. Showing the emotional connection to do this thing and it will guarantee the success you seek and more so the real underlying seven questions of why that KG talked about earlier, emotional feeling you seek. Like that's like the more that that's the biggest thing. Like the more you can in tune to that thing and break away from the barriers of, well, I need this. I need that. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, no, no. Trust that will give you the right pieces to make the right results. Well, and I think that also pokes feelings for me because I don't like being out of control and having to trust Ben puts it in me having to be more in Ben's control, right? And I don't love that. I love the world where I'm I'm autonomous and I'm an island. Um, so recognizing that feeling puts me in a place of discomfort and I have to be able to live in that discomfort and go, okay, it, you know, I don't want to be an island. I want to be a part of a community. I want to be a person who um, relies on others and learns to trust. And so I'm having to choose to behave as though... I like that, even though I'm in that feeling of out of control and oh, I don't yeah. really love it. Oh, yeah. But I'm doing it anyway. Oh, yeah. Good job, KG. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I, I want to, I love that example from KG because if, <laughs> be honest, if every client did that, they would have a better experience in the gym. And I'm not even saying, as KG says, trust Ben. I'm saying trust yourself. Like, you don't have to trust me. I would hope that you would. I would hope that I could earn that. But at the end of the day, I think the more we trust ourselves and the more we put ourselves in positions to process emotions, be uncomfortable and work through things, the more successful we'll be. I think you both touched on a point when you're talking about, I'll call it skin in the game for lack of terms. You're talking about you got to focus when you do box jumps, as Robin talked. You got you to try this other thing. You got to have support. If there's no risk involved, there's no progress in my mind. It's really easy to not take a chance. And that's where we get stuck. We get comfortable. And what happens there is now we're stuck in this loop and we're like, well, why am I not doing anything? And it's like, you're not stepping outside of it. Mm -hmm. You're not processing through. You're not opening the box in the closet you don't open and going, mm, this is what's wrong. Let's handle it. And we don't need you. Like, I am not trying to say in any way, shape or form, make the gym the therapy. I'm trying to say, make the gym and a therapeutic, mm -hmm. a, a, for me, a beer with a really, really good friend is therapeutic. It's not my therapy. And that's where the gym can play that role for you and help you navigate. Well, and I real. think in some ways, and maybe we can sort of wrap up with this, but like in a lot of ways, you're, you're talking about the gym being, um, a secure place to risk. And, you know, you hear a lot in our society right now, talk about safe spaces and yada, yada, yada. And I think it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to. But part of the reason I think that Say is more about that. We're never, <laughs> like even in your most secure space as a child, like think about your, your caregiver trying to make it the most safe for you. It was so that you could go out and risk and explore the world, right? When you're secure, you risk, you, you take, you go, 
you just take steps further away from your caregiver. You go down the slide by yourself. You like all of those things happen when you're in a place of security. So for the gym to be your safe space, your secure space, what that means is that it should be the place where you're the most brave, where you're the most courageous, where you're willing to risk the most because you feel so safe and secure to be able to do that, right? That's what a safe space means. Now, sure, it should be free of abuse and all that stuff. And 9 a.m. is not great at that because we... We are so abusive. We're so abusive. But, <laughs> or at least inappropriate anyway. Yes. But, but like, that's what it should mean for you for the gym to be a safe space. So if it becomes a safe space where you're not willing to risk, where you're not, where you just sort of want to stay status quo, then you're using safe space wrong. And I would want to push on that. Um, at least if I was the coach as the therapist, that's what I would do. I would be like, you're wasting my time and yours. Like, let's move <laughs> this along. Let's get you to a place where you can become more fully who you are and who you were meant to be. And that's not going to happen unless you take some risk. You said in our pregame huddle that feelings are like muscles. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what you're talking about. Like feel the feelings. We talked about that. Identify them. You can regulate them so you can manage it, but also bring your messy feelings to us. I'm trying to like recap mm -hmm. because the more you use them, the more you try to work through them, the stronger you'll be at doing just that. So use the gym as a, you know, a playground for that. Correct. I love it. Yeah. Cool. So feelings. And then next week we get you back. I don't know if you're going to want to come back. Are you, Nice and hot and sweaty right now. Oh my God, it's such a hot box in this <laughs> it studio. It is a hot box. It's a nice sauna. Well, sauna is good for you, just so you know. Jeez. Hopefully it won't be quite so hot next week. And um, so, yeah, so our little, little teasers, we're going to continue like unwrapping some of this stuff, but we're going to focus more on your thoughts. Yeah. And yeah. by thoughts, we mean the messages and things we tell ourselves. Perfect. All right. Beautiful. That's your teaser. All right. You Thank then. you, Kristen. You're the best. Dr. Gustafson, we love you. Love you too. Okay. Bye.